Alrighty, K. Time for yet another Joshi 2010s uh, historical experience. Ah, that's a pretty long title, though. Ah, not gonna be the title of the episode. The episode's like Ice Ribbon, January to February 2010. Something like that. A little uh, less I, boring, more effective. <laughs> I thought we caught Joshi running in the 2010s. Joshi running in the 2010s. Well, that's what we're doing here. It is the Red Leaf Retrocast Patreon episode. If you're listening to this a uh, couple weeks later, well then, welcome to the Big Egg Joshi Podcast. Right, Kay? Yeah, welcome to the Big Egg Joshi Podcast. I hope you uh, also enjoy some of the other stuff I have on my, my feed. And what is the stuff that, uh, well, I mean, what is the stuff uh, people can, can find on your, on your podcast feed? Uh, everything from uh, historical sort of breakdowns of promotions, sort of their, their major players, their history, their titles, things like that, as well as uh, wrestlers as well. Doing that for a few wrestlers now. You can yes. find their title reigns, their career retrospective, and stuff like that for both current and old wrestlers, as well as promotions. All good content, including what we're going to talk about today and what we've previously discussed, uh, hyping up the Red Leaf Retrocast Patreon, was we, uh, we began our 2010s journey through Joshi, uh, kind of these dark, hidden times, <laughs> one could say. We started with a Neo show from 2009, uh, December 31st, that finished out the decade. We're into the new decade. This is our first show. Uh, you can find other content, such as you're going over JD Star currently. I am going over the 2001 timeline, uh, the one timeline that seems to be mostly lost to time. Yes, you can find that on the $5 tier, as well as my own personal projects, the like going through all of the WCW Starcades, including the first one with the NWA 1983 Starcade. You can enjoy that in the $5 tier. And the $1 tier, of course. Hope you're listening to this early. You can find more episodes like this and other content. There you go. Shall we get started with this Ice Ribbon show that we're about to do here? I guess we shall. Alright, so... The way we worked this out is we kind of went through Ice Ribbon's uh, history and we picked uh, some important matches in the promotions, well, short-lived history at this point. Well, it's, you know, it's well over a decade old at this point in time in 2020. And we got a January 4th event, which <laughs> took place days after the Neo show we previously watched. And then we got a couple matches from the February... 20th show and you can actually find these uh these particular matches on the nico pro channel from ice ribbon's archive yes you can find it on their nico ice ribbon channel nico pro is a uh, sort of separate service but their ice ribbon channel which is about the same much five bucks a month uh, they have this and many many more things on their back catalog thousands of videos actually yeah so if you're looking into Following along, maybe watching some of these matches that we're about to talk about here, get some historical perspective, you can, all, you can watch it there. The name of the event is Ice Ribbon, New Ice Ribbon, that's kind of their shtick there. 146 New Year Ribbons Games. Uh, it took place in Shinkiba First Ring in Tokyo, an attendance of 295, so not much has changed. Nope. <laughs> uh, oh. Not much at all, but to be fair, at this point, running Shinkiba didn't exactly net profit like it does now. 
No, and it's also, uh, this is just kind of my own interpretation, but uh, even drawing 295 in at this point in time is considered successful to an extent. <laughs> yeah, that's that's sort of a thing you'll see. Not, now, for benchmarks, this is sort of good for Ice Ribbon. As a whole in the scene, this is kind of mid-tier. Most of the promotions would try to do 300, and they would build up to Shinkiba. It's funny how that was sort of a thing many promotions did. Uh, Shinkiba now is just kind of a throwaway. Right. That's where you put your lower-end shows. So the uh, the scene has come at least some way uh, since 2010. So, uh, the two matches we're going to discuss here is kind of the culmination of the Super Ice Cup tournament, uh, which uh, I guess the whole idea is to win the title at the end of it. It's like a King of the Ring of sorts. Am I correct on this? Um, I believe the tournament was uh, the winner got to face Emmy the same night for the belt. At this point, Emmy is the Ice Cross 60 champion. And this is also the first, she's also the first person to hold the belt proper as like an actual belt belt, not the makeshift homemade belt that they had been using up to this point. Well, Emmy was in the tournament. And she had yes, wrestled yes, she previously was. on the night against Hikari Minami. And won, yes. so she was in the finals. Yes, but it was for the belt no matter who. So, right. I mean, it was for the championship. I mean, I guess it ended up being Emmy, who was the champion at the time. Uh, but the winner of the cup was to be crowned champion. So I do want to point out that uh, there was a trios match earlier on the card in which Kenny Omega and Miyako, Miyako Matsumoto were on the same team, and Riho was on the opposite team. Just a little fun thing there. So yes, uh, the the match the first match is Sukasa Fujimoto versus Hikaru Shida, the semifinal match. Uh, in the Super Ice Cup. Their first Super Ice Cup. And I think they're only. I don't remember them having another one. I don't recall either. We uh, may need to research that further. Uh, maybe we come across it uh, in years to come. But the point, the, the point of this is, this is super fun. And coming days after the Neo show, where both Fujimoto and Shido were in a tag match together, now they're pitted against each other, and we noticed two vastly different wrestlers in this match oh yeah we did just they both have the same amount of experience but watching them wrestle you would not have any idea i think one had been wrestling for four years at least and the other had been wrestling for six months yeah and uh <laughs> fun fact they debuted at the same time they've both been wrestling for about 18 months and the stark difference in their skill is very apparent Sheeta needs a lot of work, as we noticed in the previous show. Uh, her suplexes lack strength, as seen by two specific attempts. Uh, one was a delayed suplex, kind of... I get, it almost looks like she's going for a falcon arrow, uh, but that is not the case. And then her trademark... She uses it as a trademark now. It's where the person is on the apron and she steps on the first rope. Kind of does a suplex up and over... Uh, back into the ring. Both ended up with her dropping Tsukasa, basically mid-suplex, uh, and Shida is noticeably really slow in the ring, needs a thousand steps to get to the ropes. Uh, it's only exacerbated by the fact that Tsukasa is really fast in the ring. <laughs> 
Yeah, Sukasa almost seemed like a natural at this point, and it's it's wild because this is before she even got the, the uh, training from Manami Toyota. This is when she was just trained by Emmy. Yes, they were both trained by the same person this early on. There's a uh, uh, a limited supply from uh, what they can at least showcase in the ring, because you do know Sukasa still has a limited amount of moves, but the way she does them seems like she has a lot and does them well. Unlike Sheeta, she is really fast, she can sell well, has a couple of her signature kicks and roll-up sequences that she still does to this day. So you do see some signs of their of their repertoire that they end up doing. <laughs> uh, there is a... As they go through the motions, uh, they, they hit the finish, which is quite uh, quite welcome, because <laughs> we're just, at least I'm kind of cringing at Sheeta just in the match in general. She does have a nice little drop uh, uh, suplex from the top rope that she that she does. Her su- her drop kicks are probably her strength at this point, and she's very much her relying on them. Ones, her top rope drop kicks, because her normal drop kicks, she seemed to either uh, be too short or be right in Sheeta's face, or right in Sukasa's face. Yes, one, she ends up going right through her and lands on her. <laughs> yeah, that it looks rough. Um, Sheeta also busts out a judo throw, something I'm pretty sure she doesn't do anymore. I don't think I've seen her do it in a long time, at the very least. Yeah, and I can't, I can't recall the last time I saw a Sheeta match where she busted out a judo throw. No, it wasn't a very good-looking one, either. It looked very, very um, stiff, like almost like she tried really hard to get it going. Gotta get, gotta get that momentum. <laughs> so, one thing Sheeta does is a guillotine uh, kind of roll sequence, and she completely botches it uh, the first time. Uh, but this led to a good finishing sequence right after the botch, where it looks like she's going to do what's set up to be kind of a pop-up powerbomb situation. And Sukasa goes up and over, lands on her feet... And Sukasa sells this well, where she kind of looks around the ring, doesn't know where Sheeta went, and Sheeta had immediately ran, hit the ropes, come back, and clotheslines her head off. That was really cool. And then it triggers another attempt at the guillotine roll-up, which this is countered by Sukasa during the move, in which Sukasa then hits the ropes and hits uh, what I'm going to call the uh, Venus spin pin. <laughs> Penis Pin Pin. I imagine she might have had a name for it at the time. I don't think I see her bust that move out very often, if any, at this point. I haven't seen her bust it in a while, but she doesn't really need to. She already has a bajillion moves. Right, and she has an actual finisher now. This is her finisher for all intents and purposes, or they're trying to get it over uh, via through this tournament. So what it is exactly is it's it's not quite a sunset roll-up, but it's more of twisting around the hip. So... From this point forward, I will refer to it as the Venus spin pin. <laughs> All right, because I think at this point, the Venus shoot was still her finisher, but I don't think she gave it the name yet. It was her top rope kick to the to the head, where she goes top rope and uh, sort of side kicks to the head. Yes, she did do that in this match. Uh, right. So it, I don't, it looks it, really cool. It's really fast. The crowd seems to pop for it each time. Right. I don't think it's her finisher yet. No, because because she follows it up with the Venus spin pin. Right, right, and because uh, this, I think we've seen it twice now. Uh, they kick out of it, which when it became her finisher, they didn't kick out of it. 
Right. So it's it's interesting seeing Shida's uh Shida Sukasa's offense mold, especially seeing her nowadays where most of her signature moves aren't even hers and the Venus shoots might also be a transition move. So once Sukasa wins the match, Shida <laughs> poor Shida, uh needs a lot of work. It'll be fun watching her progress through the years. Uh Tsukasa, on the other hand, hit hits gets the microphone right after the match. Catches her breath, and she calls out Emi Sakura. Get the fuck in this ring. Worth gonna throw down. The lights are behind Emi. Emi's kind of hesitant. She's looking at her. The crowd's looking at her. Emi then drops the title. She rushes into the ring like, let's go, motherfucker. Fucking Tsukasa ducks. Venus shoot. Just knocks her head off. Goes for the Venus spin pin, and the crowd pops hard. She pins Emi Sakura in six seconds. New champion. This crowd popped quite hard for that. All 295 people. <laughs> right. Well, also, it's a bit of a buildup, too, for Sukasa. I think at this point, she had had, I believe, two shots at the belt um, and lost both of them. And so it was kind of a building up for her to get to this point where she could win it finally. And of course, beating Emmy was a big deal, especially at this point, because Emmy didn't eat pins at this point. Now, very protected champion. You pin the champion in six seconds. Sukasa, a made woman on this night. Very important in the history of Ice Ribbon for years to come. Yes, she would win at least six more of these. <laughs> well, a couple defenses here and there. <laughs> I mean, a couple of defenses, but she'd have six more of these belts. I think she still holds the record for the most title reigns with the, with the Cross Infinity Belt. Yes. So, uh, a fun match I wanted to do. Um, uh, so, the, I must preface, none of these matches we're going to talk about, uh, at least I will give on our star rating scale. And the way our star rating scale works is uh, if we recommend the match that we feel you won't waste your time watching, we'll give that one stars, one star. A recommended match means we think it's pretty good. Uh, we'll give it two stars, and then highly recommend, please go out of your way to watch it, is a three-star match. Uh, Kay, on the Neo episode, our very first Patreon that went up for free, uh, via Redly Retrocast, the YouTube, and your Big Egg Joshi podcast, uh, you gave two matches on there, three stars. I gave one match two and another match three. So, that's our scale. Uh, I can... Spoil this now. I don't think I'll give any of these matches truly a star. I might change my mind as we discuss them. I think at the very least, this one we're talking about right now, the Shida, Sukasa, then Sukasa, Emmy six-minute match. I think if you... I wouldn't recommend it because it's a good match, but I'd recommend it on historical purposes. Well, yes, if you that's really why we're talking back, about it. <laughs> if you want to go back and you want to see Sukasa's sort of start to her ascent, uh, by all means, this is probably where you should start. So now we cut to January 16th, later in the month in 2010, at Ice Ribbon 149. I wanted to do Riho versus Miyako Matsumoto uh, for a couple reasons. This will be the first time we're discussing Riho, who has now become basically an international star at this point. Uh, this also begins her more or less reign over uh, getting a push in Ice Ribbon and Miyako Matsumoto, all by it, <laughs> albeit a uh, a comedy character of sorts, she is still kind of the I don't want to say she's a veteran. 
at this time. But she is one no, of no, the. No, she's not. She is one of the uh, usuals on, it, within Ice Ribbon. I'd say between the two Riho's, the veteran in this match. Riho <laughs> has, has more experience, experience prior to Ice Ribbon with Emmy. So I'd say she's the vet in this one. It kind of showed by the in ring between the two. Yes, uh, Miyako was pretty over, though. Miyako herself has always been over for whatever reason. Well, the crowd and ice ribbon. Riho in this match is 13 years old against uh, a young yes. Miyako Matsumoto. Miyako Matsumoto, as you mentioned, is quite over with the crowd with her ballet shtick posing to the crowd. Uh, kind of a heel comedy character towards the 13 year old Riho. And Riho is definitely. Riho in this match. She uh, she does her uh, planches. She does her quick roll-ups because she's very small. And Miyako does everything she can to just get this crowd to boo her, but she still does the comedy shtick. It's kind of funny, and you want Riho to win. Right. I don't think Miyako has perfected her shtick yet. Eventually, she will. A little too much if we're talking about modern times. But um, at this point, I think Riho, like what you see from her offense now is more or less what you see now. It more or less had the same offense, maybe one or two moves she's added over the years. Yeah, double foot um, stomp here and there. Uh, she gets way better at countering. Obviously, the ring game gets way better because this match was rough. And I, <laughs> I'm kind of leaning towards it was because of one Miyako Matsumoto. <laughs> Oh, you'd be 100%. I think Miyako has the same amount of experience as Shida and Tsukasa at this point. I believe they started around the same time. All came in through the same way. Yeah. All came in through the um, acting sort of thing that they were doing. They all took wrestling classes and all three stuck with it. Right. So, the difference here is, is Miyako was never good in the ring and would probably <laughs> never really get good in the ring. So, shocker there. She likes death matches. That's kind of how she makes up for it, I guess. She likes being crazy, and being crazy to a 13-year-old is quite a choice. She takes on <laughs> quite the task. Uh, there's a lot of roll-up pin, uh, pin attempts here, and Miyako and Riho definitely saw some sort of Eddie Guerrero <laughs> Rey Mysterio match in which they try to do constant repetitive counter into pins. The problem is Miyako has a hell of a time trying to continue the role and she ends up kind of just falling and stumbling half the time this is when then she makes it up by doing her poses cutting like kind of short little quip promos to the crowd they laugh they boo they do everything and Riho gets the win here off a uh, I will call this the AJW shoot pin <laughs> because uh, the original counter of the roll up is botched by both both women in the in that moment and Riho just kind of falls on her and you know uh shoots the half if you will <laughs> so there's a there's an image to put in your head and this is actually uh I think an interpretation of the match that was to meant to get Riho over with the ice ribbon crowd cuz she would go on uh months from now uh in title match uh chances and challenges and whatnot Ah, I think you'd be incorrect. I think Riho was always over with the crowd from the jump, actually. Um, she, you can go back earlier than this to, I think, 2007, 2008, 
they have I think they have one of those matches up on their archive and Riho gets crowd reactions like crazy. Mm, okay. Riho is already over. I think this is just a fill in match, to be fair. Um I do I do know Riho becomes Cross Infinity Champion at some point. Yes. Well, then Cross 60 champion. I gotta keep prefacing that. Um she becomes the first triangle champion. Things like that come up in her future. Uh, but she was always over. Like Emmy presented her like that was her second coming. And that's sort of how the crowd took her because she was protected so well. I don't think she ever really ate many pins at this point either. Definitely didn't eat the pin here. Her reign begins. <laughs> oh, Miyako got shoot pinned by a 13-year-old. <laughs> Say that. Somebody just saying Twitter. that is really funny. <laughs> Somebody go on Twitter and tell that to Miyako. I imagine you'll get a reaction. <laughs> Uh, makes me makes crazy. me wish Miyako would uh, now show up in Ice Ribbon more because she's clearly still over to uh, the way she is. We continue on for our final two matches here. Ice Ribbon 158. We move on to February 20th, 2010. We are now in Osaka in the Minami Move On Arena with an attendance of a massive 183 people, according to Cage Match. Tsukasa, now champion, having won the title last month, she's defending against, correct me if I'm wrong, Kay, the first Ice Cross 60 champion, Makoto. Uh, you are incorrect. It was not her. Sena was the first cross champion. She, oh. Makoto, was the last one to hold it as it when it was a uh, makeshift belt, I believe. Ah. She was a third ever champion. She was I a third see. ever champion. Okay. She was only the third person to hold it. Sena was the first person to hold the Cross 60 title. Well, thank you. I stand corrected. That's why you're here, Kay. Keep me in line. <laughs> so, if you're a modern Joshi fan, uh, you will have seen Makoto in a promotion like Seedling, where she's in Asuka's faction, uh, La Fresca's something or another it's called. And uh, she is one of the few from a from her graduating class Maybe even the only one that's still wrestling today. Right, so it's weird how Ice Ribbon does their classes, and they've reclassified them at one point as well with Sakushi. It's technically part of the second class, but is now deemed as part of the third class. Um, but Makoto was part of the first class of rookies, the 2006 to 2007 rookies. And I believe she is the only one still wrestling. I could be mistaken, because there is that weird, is Mitsuru Kono, or not Yes, yeah, is, is is um Mitsuru currently in Chaco Pro and Gato move? Is she still counted as one of the first rookies because she came in with Emmy with and Riho? So okay, it's weird. It's a, she's in a weird area, her and Riho. So I don't I don't think most people count them. And I don't think even Iceman counts them as the first class because they came in pre already debuted. Um, but Makoto is definitely of the first class, and I believe the only one still wrestling from that first class. Not many of them lasted very long. So this match went 15 minutes flat. Uh, I found Makoto is... She's very boot-based offense. You know, kind of the all-legs. The uh, the tall style, if you will. Uh, really reminds me of Kamiyu and TJPW, Saki Akai, those kind of wrestlers. With, uh, with her style and the way she moves in the ring. You agree I see with that this? a lot. Yeah, you see I this? see that a lot. Uh, I see some of the same moves she does here that she does currently a little bit better. Um, I, I would hope with, with Makoto, 10 more years experience she has gotten a little better right right well the weird <laughs> thing with Makoto as I was going to say is uh, she I think either gets hurt or goes through some sort of phase where she 
increases in wrestling ability. And so seeing this, seeing her at this point, you could tell that she was rough, but had a lot of potential. So it's weird seeing people now talk about, oh, she's finally gotten better after two years, these past two years. Um, and I believe that was because of her dip in ability. Among the wrestlers that we've, uh, we've seen from this time frame, she definitely isn't good, but I would say she's far from terrible. She's, she's really kind of, the, I would say she's above average at this point in time, at least comparatively to everyone else we've seen. Uh, she is definitely over with the crowd at this point in time. So that's she's very, very popular. She's very popular with the crowd at this point. Um, I'd say she's got potential. You can sort of see it there. Um, I imagine Emmy saw the same thing. That's why she made her the champion, the third ever champion. Um, but a lot of what Makoto has in this match, uh, she sort of, she looks, like I said, you said she looks rough, but a lot of what she has that she can do, she does well enough that it doesn't come off bad. It's just sort of the transitions between things that come off a little bad. Yeah, and uh, as for Sukasa in this match, uh, she was definitely able to run even faster than the Shida match we had seen prior. Makoto was able to keep up with her just fine, always in the right place, right time situation. Uh, Fujimoto was definitely able to hit a lot more of her uh, offense, made it look more smooth, so the, <laughs> the benefit of a better opponent uh, does make the difference here. And Sukasa wins this via the Venus spin pin again. So this, this this is her finisher in 2010. Yeah, I don't know what the name of it is. I'm gonna have to look that up because I don't think she either she named it at this point because there's no commentary and there's no announcer really telling us all of these things, especially at this point. And finding information about some of this stuff is very hard to look through. None of it's translating Japanese stuff, so. Um, it very well could have a different name, but it's not the Venus spin pin. It could be like, I don't know, the Suka spin or something like that. Well, I like but, the Venus spin pin, K. <laughs> oh, well, if I, find out, if I find out it's called the Suka pin, uh, it's going to be called the Suka pin. Mm -mm, you're going to ruin my dreams. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. Yeah, I was, uh, I was, I was surprised to learn Makoto, you know, goes this way, this far back. Uh, I was surprised to see that she wasn't, like, the dirt-worst wrestler. I, I don't know why I kind of had that in my head, that she'd be like that. Maybe maybe because of, you know, people like Miyako Matsumoto and Young Shida. Just, I don't know, it just didn't come across to me that Makoto screamed champion. But uh, she was, she proved me wrong, so this was, uh, this was a fun little learning experience for me. All right, well, I think a lot of that perception you have is because of the general discourse about her in the sort of Western Joshi fan base, at the very least over the past couple of years, has been, oh, Makoto's bad. Oh, Makoto's bad. It's only been the past year and a half, two years, that people are like, oh, she's gotten better. And that's where I think you get that perception, because that's where I had that perception of her. Mm. Until I went back and watched older stuff like we're doing now, and like I had done in my own personal time a little ways back, and saw that she actually was never bad. She was rough, but she had a lot of potential, and tried to look in to see what could have possibly caused her to dip in and i think it was an injury that she had so later on at this point much later after this i think yes and in the main event we'll move on kazumi shimoma is teaming with nene takahashi and they take on the team of hamaka hoshi and hiroyu matsumoto uh kazumi shimoma is part of the passion red faction which is uh i guess we can call it takahashi's faction at this point 
other members included, uh, well, formerly included Kana, uh, and uh, uh, Natsuki Tayo. And is there anyone else that I'm missing? Um, I believe that's it. No, 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 Leon. Leon did. Uh, ah, Leon from, okay. uh, at this point, JWP, because it's not Pure J yet. Uh, Leon went by Passion Leon in, when she was in the group. Gotcha. So this is our first experience with the ham, Hamako Hoshi, who is still wrestling in Ice Ribbon to this day. Uh, so Sukasa and ham are, are lifers. <laughs> One could label them as. And this is our second time seeing both Nene and Hiroyo Matsumoto. Saw them on the uh, Neo show that we'd watched. Hiroyo is still straight-haired. Uh, kind of has the wrestling gear that reminds me of the Halloween character from WCW. I think his name was um, Cyclope. Yes, that's what it is. a very weird name and not roll, does not roll off the tongue very well. Cyclops in Spanish, I believe. Oh, that's uh, oh well. That is. They could have just they could have just said Cyclops. No, because he is a luchador. Okay, you don't understand. So yes, that's what Haroyo's gear reminds me of, and she has straightened straightened hair, which I guess I'm not. I I mean I'm not used to because I'm so used to at her at this point having the big <laughs> the big curly perm type type deal going on. <laughs> right. Well, her hair was definitely of the time in the scene where everyone had the straight hair with the uh, blonde highlights. That was very much a thing. And everyone had, everyone had Mio, blonde highlights in, in 2010. <laughs> oh, it was a thing in the scene, though. Like, Mio and Eo had them, and I think even Kana had them at one point. Like, sure. it, was a, it was a look. Kind of like we see now, where some of the looks, like everyone went through that phase where they all had blonde hair. Yes. It's kind of like one of those phases in Joshi, where everyone sort of goes with a certain style that's sort of popular, to sort of get eyeballs on them, at least. So... Very strange coming out of this that we watched a tag match, tag title match, mind you, where it was heavily focused on Ham versus Shimoma of the two involved. Uh, Nene and Matsumoto just kind of brawled outside. Nene would constantly break up pin, and it's Nene, Ta Nene Takahashi. I call her Nene. Uh, Takahashi would come in, kind of boot a pin, uh, maybe give a little stiff shot every now and again. Uh, that's, that was my interpretation of her wrestling. And uh, Hiroyo was simply Hiroyo. Not much has changed, uh, unfortunately, for her over the last decade. She's gotten better. She's added some new moves, but you're more or less right. She was a power wrestler now. She was a power wrestler back then. Um, I think the weird thing here is, is like you said, the nice sort of stiff shots here and there. And uh, I, I don't know if I mentioned it exactly on the the free episode, but Nanai had a reputation for stiff shots, for being stiff for no reason. Akana had a similar reputation, which is why they didn't get another reason why they probably never <laughs> got along. And just stiffy, they would just stiff each other, and it's not exactly a good thing. Um, the difference is, is Kana had no friends, they had no like connections with the legends, sure, and Nanai did, so Nanai got booked a lot, and um, the toxicity backstage that was widely talked about or is well widely known. What's done backstage at this point is not known. It was a very toxic work environment from a lot of people I around this time would mention. And I'd imagine stuff like this is why. You know, stiff shots are not exactly nice, and there's probably some confrontations backstage that result from it. Yes, and if you are aware of one Hamako Hoshi in 2020, 2021, uh, she is more or less a comedy character. Uh, 
she's a little bit more lean in 2010. Uh, she is not a comedy character. She is quite serious, and she can run. Very shocking to me. It can. It's 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 wow, night and day sort of thing, right? <laughs> um, her and Shimomo were back and forth. Did this really fast back and forth spot. Like Jesus, Hamako, uh, turn the clock back if you can, because <laughs> I want to. I want to you spread this way with Sakushi or something. Yes, and I'm I'm not I'm not familiar with Ka- Kazumi Shimoma, and uh, upon a little research into the Google machine, uh, she goes on to retire in December of this very year. So it's no shock to me that oh she had a very short career, as does many a Joshi out there, many a Joshi wrestler that is. And I gotta say, she was the weakest person in this match as well. Yeah, she kind of brought a lot of the spots down. You would think that would be Hamako, given what we know about her now. Uh, but <laughs> Hamako is actually not half bad in this entire match. That is an understatement, Sh- yeah. Right, right. Well, as for Shimoma, she was also, funny enough, a part of that first rookie class. So it was full circle, I guess, with that conversation into this match. Uh, Hamako, Hamako had an interesting choice of gear. And it reminded me of the fact that most of the gear at this point was very cheaply made because... Unlike now, where a lot of these wrestlers have money, they didn't have money back then, so getting gear made was not exactly the best-looking gear. It was always cheaply done. Yeah, I made a comment of the uh, Hiroyo uh, Halloween getup. It looks like she just took a t-shirt, an orange t-shirt, and then just kind of cut it into various strips. <laughs> so, just uh, just a little visual there. The match goes 17 and a half minutes, so it's it's definitely not a short one. It does go through a phase of the go-go-go style that we do uh, do know about, but it, it starts pretty damn slow. It does break break eventually. Nene just doesn't get a lot of time in this match, uh, despite being the most experienced one and the, and the veteran of the group. Uh, Shimoma and Ham, as you mentioned, have quite the exchange at the end to, to uh, finish out the match. I would say they were in here uh, alone 1v1, the last eight minutes, where it was just them doing reps, counters, hitting each other with various moves. Hiroya would come in, possibly do a double team move. Nene playing the uh, playing the um, interceptor uh, role in this match. Uh, Shimoma, I'm heading straight to the finish here. K Shimoma pins Ham via a top rope elbow drop, but totally whiffs the elbow part. She just simply lands next to Ham. And then covers her. That's the finish. Ham, of course, doesn't kick out despite not being hit. And, uh, yeah, new champions. Oops. <laughs> yeah, um, when you said she whiffed, like, she wasn't even close. And Hamako, at this point, sure, she wasn't as big as she is now, but she certainly wasn't super small. Missing her was a really hard feat. And I guess that's why Shimoma retires. She just wasn't very good. Yeah, Shimoma was very rough. She botched uh, quite a lot in this match. Uh, didn't seem to have the chemistry in a tag setting, even in the one-on-one setting against Ham. Uh, and and I'm the f- I would be the first one to point out some of Ham's flaws. Uh, I didn't really see that much in this one, other than how she didn't kick out of the finish despite not getting hit. So. Right. Well, at this point, I don't think Hamako kicking out would have been good. I think it's like, oh, that's the finish. You missed up. Whatever. Uh, yeah. Hamako didn't have the clout to do that. At this point, if you did that, that was looked at really badly. At this point, if she you're, had the clout prob- to do you're it, probably like, not. Was- you're probably not wrong in the doggy doggy world. Uh, right. But there is a sense of kind of 
do doing your job and do it just because you're doing the job so to say <laughs> doesn't mean that you uh you kind of ruin it for the audience I'm, i i i don't know maybe i wasn't yeah, there in 2010 the the scene would probably know a lot better than me uh just from you know my modern eyes it's like hey if you don't get hit don't sell it kind of situation Right. Well, you're gonna see, you're gonna see a lot of that if we come into oh, yeah. some of the matches with that because not only did Hamako not have the clout, but she didn't have the experience, which guys go hand in hand. But I'd imagine if she did, she would have probably received a kick somewhere from Nanai, who was the veteran in the match. Oh yeah, don't um, get me wrong. Ha- like Ham probably made the right decision for her own health because if she kicked out, I would bet you Takahashi comes in. Just stiffs her with a kick in the head. Stay down now, pinner. Like that just. I imagine just... that was exactly what would have happened because yeah. then I had a short fuse, and we almost saw some of that when Shimoma messed up a double team spot. I don't know if you caught that, but they messed up a double team spot. Shimoma did with Nanai, and Nanai gave her a. She's like you. You couldn't see it because the camera itself was blurry. Oh, she but yelled. You at could her. T- gave her a look. She she yelled at her and gave her a look. And I imagine that traveled backstage. Um, Absolutely. Knowing the scene and knowing Nanai and her temper and tendencies to be a bit more on the aggressive side. Uh, Nanai is more tame these days, one would say. But mm. at this point, she was very much uh, uh, screw you, I do what I want. Screw you, why do you mess up? Uh, this is my ring sort of mentality with her. And it's not, I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's a coincidence that for the second straight episode of this 2010 journey through Joshi. Uh, Nene is in a main event and wins the tag titles. <laughs> no, I don't think it's any any small a coincidence there. So, to be fair, I mean, she had the people backstage. She knew people. She wasn't a bad wrestler, but she was always pushed past where she should be. Kind of like how Yumi Kahota was in, in like the 90s with AJW. Ooh. Uh, Shots fired. Yeah, shots fired. Hota, not as good of a wrestler. Didn't connect to the crowd. And I had the similar thing. Uh, she's Nowadays, she's a pretty good wrestler, but still, like, outside of her legend status, connecting with the crowd was never her biggest thing. So she kind of only gets that now because of her status. Less of the fact that she's actually a fan favorite and knows how to play to the crowd. And I is this weird sort of thing, I'd say, when it comes to the Joshi scene. She was really well protected. She protected herself a lot. She knew people. And she kind of wasn't a big star, but she was always treated like one. We'll see that later on once we get to stardom. Don't worry. We'll, we'll get to those discussions. Those will happen in due time. So we haven't quite decided what, uh, what matches or possibly a show or what have you uh, is going to be in the next episode. We'll decide that off, off tape here. And... Uh, yeah, I look forward to doing more of these, Kay. If you... Uh, any parting words? Uh, just that 2010 is going to be a very interesting year going forward. Uh, if you don't like the Nanai bashing, you might want to get used to a little bit of that, because Nanai was not a good person, especially at this point. She had um, what you could call a reputation. She had quite the reputation. Um, but as for this ice ribbon stuff, I mean, it's nice going back and watching old ice ribbon. I tried to do it from time to time. It's a very interesting to look at. It's kind of looking at old stardom or old any promotion, sort of seeing the humble beginnings. At this point, they were like what four years in. Yeah, I feel like they're like two. It feels like they're two years in because they didn't really get off the ground right off the bat. 
No, and uh, at least, but the difference here between Ice Ribbon that we've seen right away compared to, um, well, other promotions, Ice Ribbon's clearly building rookies. And they're getting those rookies over. They're trying to do everything they can to make them unique and make the promotion unique. Right, it's weird looking at this and then looking at Neo when we just watched Neo and like, mm-hmm. could you name a rookie on there? They didn't have any. Exactly. At so the yes. one in the opening match and she didn't last very long. That was it. So yes, this was the Red Leaf Retrocast cross Big Egg Joshi uh, Patreon episode. If you're li- again, if you're listening to this two weeks after release, uh, welcome. We, we, we encourage listening ears. Please share this on social media platforms. Uh, if you want to get these episodes a couple weeks early, uh, then head on over to the Red Leaf Retrocast Patreon page. Sign up for the $1.50 tier. And if you want more just unique content, uh, whether it's K's JD Star specials, my Star my Starcade episodes going on now, sign up for the $5 tier. You'll even get uh, a lot of gaming stuff throughout um, the various Patreon tiers. And don't forget about the Red Leaf Retrocast's main free episodes where Kay and I seem to do four and a half hour episodes whether we want to or not. <laughs> it seems like Nitro prevents us from going anything less than four hours on its own. Yeah, we do. We do Nitro. We do All Japan Women uh, 80s and 90s. We do uh, Retro New Japan that we're currently in with some All Japan Pro Wrestling sprinkled in and then all the Joshi Wrestling and DDT, Dragon Gate, you name it, that we possibly can. So, yes, Uh, I guess, Kay, we'll see you next time. See you, guys.